Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are fired up. We're still exhausted from being out at Circuit of the Americas all weekend for the World Endurance Championship. I know what those marathon runners feel like when they stop running. Man, we do, uh, when, <laughs> when we do the uh, endurance races, we do endurance commentary out at Circuit of the Americas. That was a blast, though. Hey, you know, it's, uh, I, I got to say, I'm very proud of what we've been able to deliver as, as the broadcasting group there. And honestly, what that facility has delivered. Look at the top names in racing, this top classes. And to uh, keep it at such a reasonable cost and have all that excess, it, it's, we had a lot to say tonight. Yep. I wish there were more people showing up from Austin out there this weekend. It wasn't the biggest crowd, but uh, but you know, ever since they broke everything up from the Lone Star Le Mans with IMSA and WEC, you know, for the average uh, fan in Austin who's not fully up to speed on racing, it's a little it's a little confusing and tricky. But it, it was a fa- it was really a fantastic weekend, and of course. Right now, IndyCar going on, and Formula One this morning. Wow, what a crazy race. But uh, but this John Massengill, that's Les Kaiser you here. And Jonathan Green is not with us in the studio because he is doing IndyCar right now live for uh, BT Sport over in the U.K. He's their American correspondent. So, But we're going to get some calls from Jonathan to uh, to keep us up to speed in IndyCar. We got the TV on here in the studio, keeping one eye on that. So we'll keep you up to date because the championship is on the line for Indy. And we want to make sure we stay on top of that. I got one eyeball and looking at that. It does not, by the way, it's a stark contrast less to the green grass of Circuit of the Americas. It is. <laughs> looking it is. at Sonoma out there because it well, always looks like a desert out there. But, man, didn't Coda look green? I, it looked great. It looked great. You know, it's really neat. And uh, folks were surprised uh, how good everything looks with all the rain. Uh, and I think they just didn't realize how much rain we had. Well, I think I want to start tonight, Les, with Formula One. Right, we're going to talk a lot about the World Endurance Championship because we were out there all weekend, like we said. We'll, t- we'll run down all the winners. And, and of course, Porsche uh, winning and continuing their dominance this season before their exit at the end of this season. But, but Formula One, wow. You know what? I, I think the only way to start with Formula One is to play a clip that we got from uh, from the Formula One YouTube channel that is, it's it's simple because it's the first exactly 60 seconds of the race and it is phenomenal. So let's start our Formula One discussion with this clip. And it's lights out and away we go. Verstappen gets an excellent start. Sebastian Vettel needs to cover him off. Kimi Rackman on the inside and he's crashed with Verstappen. He's hit Vettel as well. Rackman is out. Toro Rosso gets to the escape road, and Fernando Alonso is out 
of this race, as is Kimi Raikkonen and Max Verstappen as well. It's the second time this season Raikkonen and Verstappen have collided, and yes, Vettel going backwards. He is off and looks to be out of it too. He's reversing round turn five. Sebastian Vettel has lost his front wing. Disaster for him and his teammate at the start. Can he get back to the pits? But look at the damage oh, on the left hand he's side. He's got to pull over. He's pouring fluid out of the back of the car. He's got a damaged radiator from when he hit his teammate. The dream for Lewis Hamilton, though, is that that carnage has left him in the lead of this race. How about that for the beginning of a race? Where if you if you oh. woke up at seven this morning and turned that on, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go now. Yeah, no kidding. That was uh, such a, you know, Lewis said it'd have to be a miracle, and Lewis got a miracle in the form of Vettel and Kimi coming together on Max. And uh, you know, I watched that several times because there was so much going on. And honestly, I, I found myself focusing on those three guys to see exactly what happened in this time. Quite honestly. Max was strictly a victim. Yeah, I agree with you on this. I, I think it, it was kind of a racing incident because if you think about it, I don't blame Vettel for coming over, right? He's trying to to take his, his, his pole position and leverage that. But then Kimi got such a great start to come around on the left side. And here's Max in the middle, you know, doing – he's not going to let off, right? You know, he's only going to – the worst thing he could have done – would have been let off because that would have been he probably would have made uh, it even worse but been stampeded too yeah exactly know. from behind so there was really not much room but the the end result of course lewis hamilton went out in in front and stayed there for the entire race uh with all the rain and of course that's that was a big part of what caused all this because it was very actually at the beginning though that wasn't caused by the rain but everything else beyond that was affected by it and well you know it uh this was the very first time they have actually had a race in the rain or even qualifying for that matter they've had it on fridays and you know singapore is definitely no stranger to rain but uh, as far as the racing that's the way that's been it was really interesting because Nobody really knew exactly what to do because the rain that had happened overnight had been so strong that it washed the rubber off the track. And so it was a uh, practically a green surface nowadays for that to start again. It was really, really tough for those to jump in. They didn't have any of the settings right. It was all a guess what they were going to do on a green track, freshly rained, and then it started raining. Well, it's been it's so interesting to think about when you go back to qualifying, of course, with Mercedes just not looking good all weekend, really, uh, up to the race. Not looking Mercedes-like, I should say, You're because right. they qualified fifth and sixth, Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas. And this gift that they were giving given at the beginning of the race by by the incident with Ferrari and the two Ferraris and Verstappen, uh, it was, you know, surprising. And, of course, in fact, I want to play a clip. I want to play a clip from... Uh, from Lewis Hamilton, because uh, the winner of the race today, because he talks about exactly that, about how this thing was basically gifted to them. Let's hear Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, what a what a day! I was just, just saying, I like I could, I've not felt felt so good. I think it's what I've been eating during this weekend uh, that's really started it. But today, the the miracle that I needed was the rain. You know, we've come here all these years, ten years, we've never had rain on a Sunday, even in qualifying. So it was the first time we're all driving in the rain, and. When that happened, I'm like, yes, this is this is my day because all, none of us are, we're all starting from scratch. It levels the playing field, and truly believe that I, if anyone's going to find the grip faster than the other, I truly believe I can do that. Yeah, I would have liked to heard him his 
recap of that interview before the race. Would he have been so confident? I have a feeling oh, not. Oh, no. I, I think all of them were resigned to the fact that they were not going to beat Ferrari. And, in fact, they were not going to beat Red Bull because Red Bull was really the one that looked very dominant. The, the, very uh, true. The qualifying run that Vettel put in was like he wrenched 99 and 9999% of the car out of that to get that pole position. And... And but Red Bull was the one that was looking like it was going to be dominant. Did you notice something? It was kind of a shame, but Red Bull had such a a good race. You're smiling. You may have a different notice. Something, but 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 Red Bull. I mean, uh, Ricardo for Red Bull had such a good race that they didn't show him during the race. They hardly showed him at all because he wasn't really in a position to challenge Hamilton. But he was ahead of all the mess going on behind him, so you didn't get to see Hamilton. I mean, uh, Ricardo during yeah, the race. He, he kind of flew under the radar, yet managed to stay up there on the podium. So you know, good for him. Always, always like seeing him do well. We were talking about him this weekend, and his his he's become so relaxed in his interviews. He's I think he's one of our favorites now to uh, to listen to after the race. But but you had something else that you were thinking of a minute ago. Well, just that you know he. I think he was genuinely shocked <laughs> that all of that happened up in front of him and yeah. took out all these people that would would be ahead of him. And uh, I think, you know, even at the at the end, I think he was still just shocked. Yeah, uh, we've got some uh, some folks interacting on Twitter. Of course, it might have been having to face Eddie Jordan on the podium <laughs> again. <laughs> I like Eddie. I like his. He's he's very confident, and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. I think is. <laughs> I think that's why so many of them are just a little un, unsettled when he comes on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy P just tweeted at us, and he said. The Ferraris may have just handed Lewis the drivers' championship. He said they really needed result and crashed it away. I want to play another. Andy clip. is a smart guy. He, he is. I agree with Andy. I, I do, but I want to play a clip from Inga uh, because you know what? Wait a minute. We're going to wait to play that. But but the whole point of that is is that this championship is not over. This championship is not. It's far from over because we've seen way too many things that happened that surprise us. So we're going to come back to that question. You know, what's to say the same thing doesn't happen in one of the next couple of races and and the names, you know, the names are changed to protect the innocent kind of thing that come up to the front. So, yeah, I'm I mean, going to that's agree with Andy, point. though. I, I will agree with Andy. I, I think uh, Ferrari handed this to him. And quite honestly, I mean, if if you had to say somebody was at fault, I kind of I get the idea that Seb wanted to go all the way across and defend the front line. But I think he was uh, too bold in doing that. And Max was watching him come across and didn't know that Kimmy came up and, you know, Max got into a point. I got to give a little bit of leeway to Seb because he's got a head of steam coming across at me. And I think that, you know, that's where the contact happened. Uh, Max really didn't move around much out on his line. But, uh, you know what? I, I, you know, the stewards called it a racing incident. But if I had to, if I had to say, all right, whose fault was it? And, I, and you had to say somebody, I agree with you. I, I think that, uh, that it wasn't Verstappen's fault for sure. Right. And that it probably was, I mean, it's hard to say that, but if I had to choose it, I'd say Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. I mean, I know that's, that may, may not be technically accurate, but you know, and it may just be purely racing, but if I had to choose, that's what I'd say. But you know what? Let's do play that clip from Inga now because it's going to respond to Andy's tweet because uh, a- again, this is a long season. So let's hear from Inga Strecka. 
And it's a significant blow to Ferrari and Vettel. Do you think they can bounce back from it? Well, did you think before this race that Mercedes would be winning the race? No, they didn't even think it themselves. I don't think they even had the champagne prepared. Um, they, they were so far, even in Monza, that Toti Wolff was already saying, oh, no, no, Singapore is not our race. Um, we'll be, like, basically um, doing damage control. And... Um, <laughs> Lewis on the podium said, um, I think God blessed us today. So uh, he was quite delighted and, and still very surprised that they managed it. So who knows? I mean, Kuala Lumpur in two weeks' time should be more um, a Mercedes track, more suiting them. But who knows? Maybe everything's changed again and then the fortune swings towards Ferrari in two weeks' time. Who knows? I, I know one thing for sure. This is an amazingly exciting world championship and we have yet a few more very, very exciting races to come. And I would put my money on that the title fight will go down to the last race in Abu Dhabi. That's what I'm talking about there right there, go. is that there's plenty of season left. And hopefully this thing will be in the heat of the battle when it comes here to Austin on October 22nd, 23rd. And then continue right on to Abu Dhabi. So... Uh, that was Ingus Trekka and Jonathan Green, of course. They just recorded that about an hour ago. And we, we're going to have the full – we've got a full podcast with Inga from all about Formula One. But we're going to go ahead and take a break now. And when we come back during this next segment, we are going to get Mr. Jonathan Green uh, to give us an IndyCar update because he's doing IndyCar live for BT Sport right now. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin. Back after these messages. Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Here, when you need us, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Brendan Hartley, this is Speed City. Nice job, producer. Brendan Hartley had a fantastic weekend out at Circuit of the Americas. And Are you talking about he got to ride with me? <laughs> well, yeah, less guys. I can't believe Casey, our producer, must be a closet fan of all this racing because he just chose, out of all the people in the list of 
bumpers he could have chosen. That was the perfect one. He had he won this weekend. Les got to ride around the track with him. So nice job, Casey. He's uh, on it. He so, hey, it. we are going to go straight to our our man, Jonathan Green, because he's not in the studio tonight because he's keeping the television viewers over across the pond updated, updated on BT Sport about IndyCar. And now he's going to give us an IndyCar update. Mr. Green, how's it going? You couldn't have joined me at a better time, boys. Uh, we are 66 laps into this 85-lap race, and it's a doozy. Four Penske's, and that's the full complement, all in the title chase. And, of course, picks up the Chip Ganassi. Don't think Scott's going to have much chance, and we're getting down to a point where it's Pagano versus Joseph Newgarten. And Pagano decided to go on a very interesting strategy, pitted early, and uh, is actually going on a potentially four-stop strategy. And he's just come in for his third stop and come out ahead of Joseph Newgarden, uh, who's on red tires and he's on black tires. So we've got a hell of a battle, and Joseph Newgarden tried to overtake Pagano, who, of course, is a previous champion, um, but couldn't get past him, spun up his tires, and Tim Sindrick is... uh, you know, his engineer said, hey, careful, son, you know, don't ruin those tires. You need them. And, of course, Joseph Newgarden doesn't have to beat Pagano in this race to win the title. So it's really, really nail-biting stuff for the new kid on the Penske block, which is Joseph Newgarden. But at the moment, my odds say Joseph has got this and he's going to be wearing the multicolored jacket. Well, that would be really exciting, as we've been talking about all year long, young Americans in, uh, in every possible motorsports series and it would be fantastic to see that. So uh, what, about, uh, what about other young Americans like Alexander Rossi? Well, Rossi was in a mathematical chance, but he had, uh, I don't know what it was. They didn't know what it was, but there, there was a funny sounding engine, he reported. Came into the pits. They had a look at it. Obviously, the time went by while they looked at the ECU. They may have changed some parts of the ECU, but he's back out on track, but he's out of the running. So he is out of contention, but he's still running. Well, he's... Uh, uh, he's still living high from that victory that he just had. So I, I think he's got to be ecstatic with his IndyCar season this year and proving that that Indy 500 win was uh, was a lot more than just good strategy. So no problem with uh, with, with Alexander. So, Jonathan, uh, assuming that what if something were to happen, what who else was is in contention for this? I mean, there was a few drivers mathematically in contention, right? Oh, uh, and by the way, Kat, yeah, all five drivers who are in contention are still in contention. So anything could happen right now. I'm just giving you the update of the obvious. Uh, still in contention are Castro Nevers in his 20th year of racing, but never to have won the title. Uh, Will Power, who's won the title, but, uh, you know, is, is a wily old Australian fox. And, of course, Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon's still running in uh, fifth place at the moment. Uh, sorry, in fourth place at the moment. Uh, Alio Castroneves in fifth place. So uh, all the guys are there. They're all where they need to be. But right now, Pagano and Newgarten are the two fighting it out. And it's Newgarten's title as we stand by 17 points right now. That's it. You're getting the live championship standings from Jonathan Green, the computer mind of Jonathan Green. So, hey, Mr. Green, I want to ask you something about... Uh, you're doing this for BT Sport in the UK. What is the interest level of IndyCar in the UK and around the world? Well, it's growing, and I'll tell you why it's growing. We've got Max Chilton, of course, who was an ex-Formula One driver. They know drivers like Rossi because of Formula One and Sato, the current uh, Indy 500 uh, driver. So there's a lot of guys that they are very familiar with. And, of course, in the past, we've had Montoya. They know Dixon. Um, so And he, Joseph Newgarten did GP3. So... Um, 
there is a, a strong interest, but the biggest uh, catalyst, if you will, uh, Jack Harvey's in the race this weekend. Jay Howard's ridden, driven before. These are all Brits, uh, and they know Will Power from uh, Renault 3.5, of course, uh, which is also shown on BT Sport. But the big thing will be Trevor Carlin. Trevor Carlin has been winning in Indy Lights, and Trevor Carlin, of course, had a Formula One team. He's British. He's been racing in Indy for the last three years now in Indy Lights. Uh, but every rumor is, is to believe he's going to start his own indie team next year. And who knows who will drive for him, but it'll be an all-British effort. Who knows? Lonzo might come and join him for the 500. Well, I love it. I love it that there's interest in the U.K. Would you have less? I was just kind of thinking of a Porsche driver that might need a seat. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole interesting another discussion. Who's that? Brendan. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we talked about it on BT Sport tonight, yeah. Uh, Brendan Hartley, definitely one of the potentials uh, to drive, and, and, and why not? Brendan Hartley, of course, got so much single-seater uh, experience. Well, Jonathan, I know you gotta you got to run because there's only, what, about 15, 16 laps to go in Sonoma and IndyCar, so hopefully we're going to yeah. get you... Get an update yeah, call from, me in 16 laps. Yeah, I will call. We'll call you back in a few laps and get more update. And get hopefully uh, we'll find out who the championship I- champion is before we get off the air tonight. You got it, boys. Enjoy. All right, talk to you a bit. All right. Well, I, we're going to get another update on Indy, but I, I'm, we're not, I'm not finished with F1 because. And before I before I finish the F1 discussion, I do want to talk about uh, later in the show. We're going to talk all about what went on at Circuit of the Americas this weekend because. Obviously, there was the World Endurance Championship, but there was also the F4 USA Championship that came to Austin and that's coming back to Austin again for Formula One uh, and, yep. and, and also a discussion about F3. And so we're going to talk about that. Those guys talked about that. But also the World Series Formula V8s, the 3.5s were out uh, in Circuit of the Americas. Folks, that was a flashback. Yeah. For so many of us, and, uh, you know, the roaring V8s, we'll, we'll talk about those too. Yep, and of course the Ferrari Challenge. They had almost 50 Ferraris, 488s and 458s on the track at one point. Uh, it was really astounding. But let's let's go back to F1 because uh, it was, it was a, a really obviously incredible start. But Singapore being what it is, it's, you know, a, a really what is 10 years old now. And it's a night race. It's a street circuit. And we had actually a little bit of history made because it was the first time ever we had rain at night in an F1 race in history. Yep. Isn't that cool? Uh, maybe not for the first start of it, but it was. It was really interesting. It, it totally changed the dynamics that they were working on. You know, I love seeing the cars after dark. I, I just really like that. Uh, they were talking about how many football fields, and it was something like, you know, it's going to take four football fields worth of light to actually light yeah. up the track or something. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, uh, some of the stories that I want to talk about, too. Um, Haas F1 scored points. And uh, one, one thing that occurred to me, less watching Haas in F in Formula 1, it's like they are they spend. I bet they've spent more time in positions ten and eleven since they <laughs> since they've come into Formula One. By I far, I call it those pri- bridesmaid positions. I, it, I know they finished eleventh last year. I don't know how many times, but they've spent uh, so much of their history sitting at positions ten and eleven. And, and of course, they did it again today. They spent a lot of time, but of course, Roman Grosjean finished in ninth position. More points for Haas F one. Boom. And obviously, now that's more points than they had last year for the season. So with still plenty of races to go, and Magnussen went out, I believe, on lap fifty with it was called an electrical issue. So I don't know. I never heard the final story, but but Magnussen, speaking of Magnussen, he was the guinea pig today. Did you notice that? 
he was the first driver out on the slicks, on the ultrasofts. You bet. And did you notice he went out and set the fastest lap of the race and instantly every Avalanche, single car, everybody, yeah, everybody dumped out. All, everybody went to the pits and get their, to get their super softs. Hey, but, uh, you know, we talked Haas just briefly there. They only got, what was it, 29 points last year. They're at 37 now. So things are, we're showing well in points. They're coming up. I say we, I think we've all... No, taking that on. We are we. We are we. We are yeah. we. We are we not have the a, French way. We have a united not not we we. We heard lots of French this weekend with the World Endurance Championship folks out there at Coda. But uh more about the today's race. Um it was nice to hear a bunch of Zach Brown today. Do you notice that? How many times they went to him? Oh yeah. A guy. Nice to be friends with him, huh? Well it's just it's just kinda cool to hear an American accent. <laughs> Yeah, as you will, uh, in Formula One, and there was a lot of them. They went back to him. Uh, they went to two good segments with Zach Brown, and uh, and that's a nice segue, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. McLaren Honda, the divorce has finally happened, and and we're going to play a clip uh, from Jonathan and Inga discussion here in just a few minutes. But um, but that has finally happened. We knew it was going to happen. All you know, at some point that something dramatic was going to happen with that. So we're going to talk about that some more, too. But also the uh, the other big stories, of course, Daniel Ricciardo uh, on the podium again. He's extended his Singapore podium streak to four successive races. That's pretty cool. And, of course, second place today behind Lewis Hamilton, who has had his seventh podium of the year. But, uh, and of course, this, for Hamilton, this was a third victory in a row. And, you know, we talked about the momentum and our uh, caller that tweeted a while ago at us about the momentum that that Ferrari lost. You know, Sebastian Vettel was ahead of the pack for a good bit of the season this year. And now, what is it, a 28-point lead now with uh, with Lewis Hamilton? Because a DNF and a, and a victory uh, have, a, have a tendency to do that. They will. They absolutely will. It's, uh, you know, not one that is surprising. And, and, you know, we talked about that. So it's Vettel with 235. And then you've got Hamilton with 263, Botas at 212, and then there's quite a long stretch back to Ricardo at 162. Well, I've got some stats for you on that because we talk about going along the same theme, right? That is this thing over? And, you know, and obviously it's not. But when you have a, a dramatic turn like this, you can't help but think that way. But uh, Vettel, on two previous occasions, occasions he has turned – even bigger deficits into a championship. And I know this is with when he's back with dominant Red Bull, but still he is with Ferrari. So back in 2010, he trailed Hamilton by 31 points after 13 rounds. And in 2012, he trailed Alonso by 42 points after round 11 and came back to win the championship. So I know Vettel's not going to happen. Up. He's, he knows that yeah. this is not the over. season is not over. You know, you know, Ferrari did it to themselves, obviously, but, is, is what I'm going to say, racing incident or not. I'm I'm saying if it has to, if one of those three have to get a slap on the wrist, it would have been Vettel. Well, there's a couple more clips I want to play. In fact, speaking of Daniel Ricciardo, I want to play his clip and the ever, ever effervescent where Daniel Ricciardo. Let's hear from him. Yeah, we we left it left it somewhere on Friday. Um, I think now, like I, I know, if we could rerun the race, I know what setup changes would make. Um, the way the track was after the rain, I think that that adjusted the grip quite significantly. And uh, yeah, the setup 
what we'd done on Friday was obviously preparing for an even grippier track on Sunday for the race. So we kind of ran with that. And then, you know, the downpour washed all the grip away. So um, let's say in, in simple terms, that's where we, you know, got it wrong. But obviously we couldn't predict, you know, the weather that was coming before the race. Well, he wasn't as much effervescent in that particular segment of his uh, his post-race interview, but uh, I think he's got to be happy with uh, with a second place overall. Probably he'll be happier tomorrow than today because he's, you know, they knew they had a chance to win this today. And a couple other people had a chance to win it. Fernando Alonso, his, we haven't talked about his start. He was had a phenomenal start. And he could have easily been leading that race. And after the debacle at the end, I uh, couldn't believe it. I thought, in fact, his car was damaged. I thought he, I thought he might be able to continue on. Yeah, they definitely gave it a good shot. You know, he got uh, hit by Max after Max had been hit and had no control of his car any longer. But uh, he got hit with Max. You saw uh, Alonso go airborne, like I said, hit in the side there, wound up taking out uh, something hydraulic or fluid there. Because a few ran for a few laps and then they pulled off. It was uh, just not meant to be in that manner. But Alonso, watch the start. He comes blasting up. Well, first you'll notice that Lewis is on the far right against the wall, blazing a trail of his own, and Alonso is right behind him. Yeah, making chase on the left and Alonso and Hamilton everybody's on the piled right. up on the left and he's gone. Well, we got to take a break. Oh, one last thing on Alonso's car. It, it reminded me of the Terminator. It was the whole side was ripped open and you could see all of the mechanicals yeah. in the side. And but you knew that car couldn't keep going. But all right, guys, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to uh, try to get uh, try to get another update from Jonathan Green about the Indy car. Looks like there's 10 laps to go. We're going to talk a lot about the World Endurance Championship and all the other support series that were out at Circuit of the Americas this weekend. You listening to Speed City? Yep, we're in Austin. Talk to you after the messages. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin. It is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Ed Brown, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. 
We've been talking Formula One IndyCar. We're going to go to the World Endurance Championship because we were in the middle of it all weekend long out at Circuit of the Americas. We got the privilege to do the commentary for the weekend and six hours of uh, World Endurance Championship and quite a bit of the F4 Championship that was at Coda as well. The youngsters in the F4 cars and, of course, the Formula V8s, the 3.5s, first time in the United States. That was pretty cool, too. And, of course, the Ferrari Challenge. So it was a jam-packed 48 hours of racing if you, and uh, and more if you include all the practicing on Thursday. But I guess the biggest story of the weekend, of course, Porsche's continued dominance, less. Absolutely. You know, they didn't completely run away with it, but I think, uh, you know, going steady and keeping it going throughout the entire six hours made up for it. Toyota challenged them for a few times, but uh, no matter what, it just backed up and Porsche showed in what they've done for years now. Really was great with uh, Timo, Earl, and Brendan all showing yep. well. They Timo. finished off. That's their four in a row. Yep, Timo Bernard, Earl Bamber, and Brendan Hartley, the Hartley hair youngster that I kind of, yeah, he's, he's still young, but we've seen him now for, I guess, since 2012 or 13 yeah. out at yeah. Coda. And, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty dominant performance by Porsche. And, uh, you know, with Toyota, um, they led the race a little bit at one point, you know, with a little bit of strategy going on with tires and fuel and stuff. But and it's it was, definitely, you know, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, unfortunately, it is only Porsche and Toyota and LMP1. I'm really disappointed in that. I wish Porsche wasn't leaving. And, uh, yes, I did get heckled a few people. You're not saying Porsche, right? It's like, <laughs> uh. So, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it was something that, you know, I was looking forward to it, hoping Porsche did well. But uh, there they ended up, and they obviously did. Now, the, the 2018 has me just concerned. You know, at this point, and, and the funniest analogy I heard was, you know, if there's only one guy in a boxing match, is it still a boxing match? Referring to only having Toyota for LMP1 next year. Yeah, but, you know, they, we had Andrew Craig. He's the North American representative for WEC uh, on the uh, on the broadcast out at COTA. And, you know, he talked about there all these series evolve, right? And so the the way they're talking about managing that is – maybe getting a little bit creative. You know, he, he alluded to some things that, that could include like we've, like everyone's guessed, they could include something like the, uh, the DPI cars from IMSA. You know, he talked, he talked very uh, enthusiastically about the relationship they have with IMSA and how that could blend. And, you know, they've got this correction, this soup. I love the way they call it. There's only one way to correct it to, because the goal here is to put, the the 24 hours of Le Mans at the end of the season like a Super Bowl, right? Right. And the only way to do that is to have a correctional season, two seasons, because, you you're, you know, that's the only way to make it mathematically all add up. And so they're calling this 1819 the super season. And so they've got some time, and there's, a, and there's a lot of things that are up in the air right now, including some of the schedule that's up in the air. They did announce that, that we were hoping there was a an opening on the calendar that was in 19, early 19, it was in February, I believe. We mm-hmm. were hoping to get that one, uh, get Coda back on the schedule for that one. And that didn't happen. That was announced that that's going to go to Silverstone and they're moving it to August. So th- think about it. Everything's so much in flux. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen yeah. with LMP1. Exactly. And, you know, uh, we all hate to hear that a race isn't returning to Coda, but I feel pretty 
you know, pretty good about them returning because Andrew Craig and, and we heard it repeatedly that, <laughs> excuse me, the racers love coming to Austin. They love the track. They love the environment. They love everything about this. They spend time around Texas or Alabama goes dove hunting, the, you know, all these yeah. different things that go on. And you know, I heard that from not just, I kind of heard that behind the scenes too. A wide variety of folks yeah. absolutely just love the environment around here. And uh, like I said, being 15 minutes from the city, they love that. And it's easy to get to in and out, all those kind of things. They'll hang around extra or get here extra early and do things. So that bodes well for FIWEC coming back. And uh, as soon as they get the spot and the uh, the super season's settled there, I, I have no doubt we're going to see those folks back. Yep, but it was a great weekend, man. It was really, uh, it was hot, hot. In fact, if if there was one theme across all the series, across all the weekend, it was blazing hot, high humidity out there. And, of course, that affected the racing. And we're so used to seeing the World Endurance Championship race into the night because the last few years they would start, I think it was about 5 o'clock, and they'd race till 11. Well, they started at noon yesterday. And, uh, excuse me, on Saturday. Yeah, yesterday. Man, this is a crazy weekend. So, yeah. anyway, it uh, they started at noon, and they ran on till 6 o'clock. And it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And we saw some of the support series, especially on Friday, when they were still learning what was going to happen to those tires when the track temperature was, I don't know, 120-plus degrees. And uh, and so it was interesting to see that. And, you know, the, the big boys in WEC, I think they managed it pretty well. But... But the constant theme was trying to keep cool. But it was. But really, my my favorite thing about the weekend less was uh, the the new series. Honestly, was the F four because the new series Dakota that is. And I, I say new; it's fairly new. This is the this is the FIA F four championship, and this is a ladder system that is designed for youngsters wanting to go to Formula One. You know, nothing against the. Uh, the IndyCar ladder, and they, they've got a great ladder. But this one, it's designed for kids wanting to go to to Formula One. And we've had a lot of people ask us since we started this show five years ago here in Austin about, you know, how how do you, how do you get there? Well, this is how you get there is, is F4. Absolutely. But uh, my favorite week, part of the weekend, okay, as far as racing, I'm going to say the, uh, the 3.5 series, the World Series V8 formulas. I could not get over that. I just loved everything about it. Their appearance, their sound was obviously tip-top. It was just fantastic to have that roar out there again ah, from the V8 absolutely. all the way up into the you know blood-curdling scream of them. Yeah, we're talking uh, 550, 530 horsepower, 10,000 RPM. So they're spinning up. Maybe not quite to IndyCar level, but they sounded it. It did sound almost F one like out there. It is. It was really close. It was just ultra fantastic, and so that that was my best racing. And uh, the ultra other one, fantastic, ultra. That's that's beyond super that's, fantastic. I've got to <laughs> coin a new fantastic level for me. a level of fantasticness. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's an inside joke that goes yeah, back yeah, many yeah. years. And if there was anything that I enjoyed more. It was taking a lap with Brendan Hartley. Oh, yeah, yeah. So wait, let me let me preface this story. We've been we you know obviously Brendan Hartley is a, a fantastic driver and we've known him. So you know you kind of get to know a guy and all of us have have really warmed up to him and we've we've watched him do really well at Circuit of the Americas and and Jonathan came back and he's oh I did a, I got a great interview with Brendan Hartley and we put it out on our SoundCloud account and we're like where's Les? He's not in the booth and about ten minutes later he shows up with this giant. 
Cheesy grin, and grin. Cheesy grin. I was going to use another phrase, but the <laughs> grin on his face. I'm sure they know what that and, is. And I'm like, where did you, where, where have you been, young man? Yeah, well, I uh, I wound up getting to go on a ride with Brendan Hartley in the brand new Porsche 911 Carrera GTS. I hate you, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and... Oh, you put this out on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's on YouTube. So go ahead and go check, you know, either the Speed City YouTube or the Speed City Facebook page. And uh, we had fun. Hartley was was fun. He wasn't one that was going to talk a lot during the driving. We just talked a little bit. And so uh, you'll get the opportunity. But especially, you know, I know we've got a lot of Porsche fans that love the, the Porsche family of 911s and so uh you know it's interesting i i kind of was checking on one thing especially I, I call it out in the video was when we come through the stadium section i've ridden with a lot of different folks and i've driven through there on bikes and cars and a lot of different things and i'll say it's it's really interesting how many different lines people will take through turn 16 the last curve in the stadium before they head to the big sweeper around the base of the tower and so I kind of called it out and said, you know, there's a variety. Let's see what Brendan takes. Brendan says, I'll take the right one. <laughs> I, I want, so I found the the, uh, the YouTube video and I just tweeted it out from our account, Speedcaster. And so if you watch it, I, I want you to, to, to pay attention to the tire squeal because it basically never stops. So, you know, I, I took Skip Barber many years ago and was never good enough Happy to tires. do anything. And exactly. The, the old phrase then was squealing tires, a happy tire. Well, Brendan Hartley keeps that 911 with the tires at the limit of adhesion for the entire <laughs> entire lap, whether it's braking, whether it maybe not acceleration. I don't know if that car maybe a little bit, but always through all the corners. It was really cool. Well, I was talking to somebody else about it, and they were like, how fast did you go? And I said, oh, you know, not really. He didn't hammer it on the straightaway. But I'll tell you, he was going fast all the time through all the curves, and it was smooth. It was fast. He was, you know clipping the berms all the way through the apex and the exits. And I will say it was absolutely fantastic and fun to, to be there next to him doing this. Well, I want to continue. I want to talk more about what happened at the, the WEC weekend because we had an American win again in LMP2. Boom. Mr. Gustavo Menezes, who's been on the show many times. He's a great kid. He's uh, uh, He's been really successful. Another young American. And he won again in the LMP2 class. Which you know you're talking about LMP one and LMP two and WEC and the the you know what's going to happen? Well, LMP two is getting faster, and Brendan Hartley, I mean, excuse me, uh, Gustavo Menezes and his teammates won LMP two again, and that was really exciting to see. And man, he was uh, he was excited to get out and enjoy Austin after the after the race. So that was really great to see as well. And uh, what about some of the other classes? You know, we we uh, we got to see uh, the AM classes when, of course, in GTE Pro. The Ferraris continued their dominance, and Ford did not have a great weekend. And they're doing great for the season, but they did not have a good weekend at Coda. And there's a lot of discussion about that. Why it didn't work out? They were, you know, in the neighborhood of fifth last year, and uh, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I you know didn't necessarily want to go up to the team and go, "Hey, y'all kind of suck this weekend," (laughs) you know. Yeah, you don't want to say it to somebody, but I really was curious about it. Um, I don't know if it, you know, now I know data is shared between the American uh, Ford team and the UK Ford team. So I I was curious because the American team was here just a little while back. We're going to find out because we're going to get 
a we're going to get uh, we're going to get somebody on that from that team on the phone in the next few weeks and see you know and look like I said their season's going great so it's not like they uh, have a debacle going on but uh, but yeah it was something we were rooting for having the American Ford you know represented there in, in the World Endurance Championship and I wanted to see them do well so. Uh, the Indy car has finished, so hopefully we're going to get Jonathan Green back on the line here in a minute and find out and give you an update there. But uh, but I also want to talk about the Ferrari Challenge that was out there just a bit before we go to break because it was a sight to behold to see 47, I believe it was, 47 Ferraris on the Circuit of the Americas oh, at, yeah. at the same time. And, you know, we were we got there on Thursday night. I was walking through the paddock. And the support paddock and where the Ferraris were, and Jonathan called me and uh, and he said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm over in the Ferrari paddock." And he said, "How's it look?" I said, "I said I don't know, but it looks like there's about a hundred Ferraris over here because that you I kept walking and walking and walking and it was but it was really cool because I talked to the Ferrari guys, a, uh, the PR guy there, and he said, "Yeah, we don't get the chance to put all of our cars on too many tracks." And I said, "Well," and he said, "Of course, Coda being." 3.42 miles and miles of runoff. Right. He said it's the perfect track. And they, it was pretty fun because I know after race one, we lost, uh, not drivers, everybody was fine, but we lost five of the cars. And I, I haven't done the calculations on the millions of dollars that were accumulated in the sheet metal and carbon fiber stacked up on the side of the road there. But yeah, but it was pretty crazy. Turn 19, or excuse me, turn 20, 19, where everybody had trouble, but turn 20, I think what happened was that there was a wreck and a radiator spewed. And so there were Ferrari 488s and 458s spinning round and round on turn 20, right out in front of the main grandstands. Absolutely. It was uh, it was bad because, you know, there was one that was coming through and he was going to do just fine. They got a little wild and uh, he made impact with another one right there in 20. And he got rolling again and he gasses it. Not Not much damage done to him, but, you know, shamed into it he gasses it to leave it the car loops around and he heads straight into the wall all right well we're going to go ahead and take a break and when we come back we are going to be live with mr jonathan green who's doing the indy car coverage for bt sport and for the uk so stick with us and we're going to because they just wrapped up the cars are pulling into park for may we're going to see who won this race and see who won the championship listen to speed city back after these messages Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory-authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. 
or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Agusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Agusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is Alexis Tajoria, driver of the Tequila Patron Toyota Camry Nitro Funny Car. This is Speed City. horsepower is that something like 10,000 all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it is what are what are nhra cars up to now about 320 miles an hour in the quarter mile it's something big something, something big. like that yeah, it, it's really i love to chart that it's like looking at the uh the dow stock exchange from like 1960 all it's just a, a you know it was like 200 miles an hour, 210, 220, 230. It's well over 300 miles an hour. But we're going to talk some IndyCar. No more NHRA because Mr. Jonathan Green has has been helping the boys in uh, the U.K. keep up to speed with IndyCar, doing some television commentary for BT Sport. But Mr. Green's on the line. Mr. Green, how are you? Good. Looking good. It's over. The champion has been crowned. And guess what? What do you got? American. American. (laughs) Spill of beans, buddy. Yes, Bill Beans, Joseph Newgarden is the new champion of Indy. He's done it in his first season for Penske. He's the youngest uh, driver in a decade to do it, and he's the first American in over five years to do it. And while it's a fantastic piece of, uh, well, it's a fantastic story for Joseph Newgarden, um, the race was actually run by Simon Pagano when you last reported to me. Um, Simon was leading. He did win the race, um, but he would have to have had Joseph finish fourth or less. Tim Sindrick, his uh, engineer, was you know trying to walk him home, trying not to make him uh, do anything silly and try to win the race because he didn't need to. Uh, so Pagano won the race, but Joseph Newgarden won the championship for the captain. And I think the biggest thing of all is I'm delighted for Joseph. But the significance for IndyCar, for the Verizon IndyCar series, to have a young, 26-year-old, good-looking American, fast as you like, with a career ahead of him, with the captain and Penske, is huge. This is what Indy, this is the shot in the arm that Indy needed. Just as we've been talking about Rossi for so many years in Formula One, and we continue to talk about Haas, uh, and, you know, I think this is the turning point for, for American racing uh, in the new era of Indy because they wanted a young, marketable American, and they've got one. So it's a great story. God bless the USA. Boom. <laughs> yeah, Boom. that's that's great, Jonathan. Uh, I saw that Simon Pagino actually won the race in Sonoma, but, uh, but that is such fantastic news to have young American. I, I can't wait. To, I hope we can get him on the show soon because – We've had him on the show a few times, and uh, and I just want to hear that enthusiasm. But, man, it's so great to, to have American back in Indy. I mean, I love the flavor that the international drivers give it, but uh, but it's such a good thing. And so so what are some of the highlights of the race, Jonathan? I really, you know, since we were prepping for the show tonight, I really didn't get to watch it. To be honest, it, it, it really wasn't that an exciting race, unless you're in the Joseph Newgarden. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, it was a strategy race uh, in many ways. You know in Indy you have to do at least one stint on the reds and one stint on the blacks. You can choose, but you have to do that. Um, there was five guys gunning for it, six mathematically with Rossi, but he was out early. 
um, everybody was lying astern, and the only man that made a decision to do something different was the passion who came in on lap 12, and therefore went for a four-stop strategy, which allowed him to get ahead of Newgarden early by, ju- by jumping in the pits early. But, of course, he was running less fuel. So he was able to run fast uh, and, you know, pa- and, and lead the race. Um, and there wa- and but he, he was hoping that there would be, you know, no cautions because he had to do four stops. Um, so it was an interesting strategy race. But the point is, I also think that it was a strategy by the team too because uh, it was almost safeguarding the championship because if uh, there was a problem for Newgarden, there would be Pagano, there would be power, there would be um, you know someone to pick up the pieces, effectively Castro and Evans as well. Uh, and so the race was really kind of won and lost on, that, on the first corner for one because all four of them qualified at the top um, and Joseph got the, got the lead, but then Pagano got the lead by taking the... the, the you know, the early pit stop. So it was interesting. Um, and how about this? You know, the push to pass. Well, Newgarden had 90% left at the end of the race. So wow. That's how good he raced. That's how, how good well his he car he was and he was. Now, that's that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. That's kind of like Rossi. Or, great little, I got one other little tidbit for you. Yeah. Um, we we talked about, uh, we talked to Joseph a few weeks ago, remember, when I talked to him about Tim Sindrick, who has been Powers mentor, uh, has been the, the top engineer at Penske for many years. Well, you may know his, the name of his son, Austin Sindrick, who uh, is in the track racing series, but now in the Global Rallycross series. And he was in the Global Rallycross series last week. He's just a 19-year-old kid, uh, but he's really good. And Tim was there. And ironically... Uh, Tim Sindrick, uh, sorry, t- uh, Austin Sindrick used to race against Joseph Newgarden, and that is where Tim Sindrick first spotted him and thought, aha. Uh-huh. So uh, there's a big connection there. So there's a really good connection between Tim Sindrick and his new champion, Joseph Newgarden. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, it's going to be fun to watch Joseph Newgarden's career in Indy, and I can't wait to see you for next year. But, Jonathan, I want to. We talked a lot of Formula One during the show today, but I want to get your take on a couple of things from today's action in yep. Formula One. Uh, we played some of the clips from you and Inga, and I know that there's a full podcast with you and Inga Strecka, and that was some really good stuff. And uh, but I, I want to rec- I want you to give us your take on the McLaren, Honda, and Renault because besides the race today, that that's obviously the big story in Formula One right now. So we've talked about a lot of the race, but. Give us your take on on uh, McLaren and Honda and Renault and and uh, the impact of all that and and possible scenarios. Well, first and foremost, it had to happen. McLaren are too big. They've got huge Middle Eastern money, uh, and they had a shakeup, including Zach Brown and and Ron Dennis leaving and Zach coming in. And you know, uh, there's been a lot of change at McLaren uh, in the last few years. But McLaren are used to winning, and they're a top team, and they always have been. Uh, and frankly, the last three years has been an embar- embarrassment to the road car, the investors, the, the Formula One team. Uh, and it's not they've been their fault. The car's good. Uh, and, and as we proved today, before, the, before Alonso went out, Alonso felt that he had a good enough car on a slower street circuit, um, in other words, negating the engine, that he could win the race. So um, basically, Honda have let them down. And they're embarrassed, uh, given that they had a, a championship a few years ago where they won everything. So it's just a sad situation. But Honda aren't, you know, uh, last time Honda did this, they pulled out with BAR, uh, and it was a waste of money. They sold the team for a, for a dollar. So now doing this deal with Toro Rosso keeps them in the game, 
And actually, it's a very smart move by Red Bull because uh, Red Bull will only benefit from this because you can argue that the Red Bull-Renault relationship has never been cosy since uh, the last few years. And I believe that once Honda and Toro Rosso get up to speed, they'll then actually uh, go to Red Bull. So it's actually a win-win. And of course, it's a great win for Carlos Sanz. Yep, that's true, and uh, that's going to be fun to watch that whole scenario break down. But, uh, well, Jonathan, we just got a, a little bit of time left. Uh, Les and I were talking about what a fantastic weekend we had out at Circuit of the Americas. And I, w- I want to thank, uh, again, thank everybody that was out there. We got we loved being on the microphones out there. Thank Coda and Weck for letting us do that. And, Jonathan, any thoughts from the weekend? Uh, overall, we talked, we talked a little bit about... Uh, the the winners in each class, Gustavo Menezes and and Porsche and Ferrari and all that, but uh, uh, it was a fantastic weekend overall, especially with F four and the V eights. Yeah, to me, the, having single seaters uh, at uh, Cota and FIA single seaters at Cota very significant, and I think that's what Cota should take away with it. Not worry about. Um, the fact that uh, the Lone Star Le Mans will be, not be next year. So, you know, I think, uh, to me, those single-seaters being there was great. And, wow, what great LMP1 racing we had. Yep. All right, well, we got to run. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for listening tonight. To check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Talk to you next weekend. Ciao, y'all. Let's jump in my El Camino. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.